This is the Pulse Podcast, a somewhat regular production of the Evangelical Free Church of Canada. We're here today to talk about things that matter to your faith, your life, and the Free Church family. Hi, welcome to the Pulse Podcast. I'm Brad, the Communication Catalyst for the EFCC Home Office. My guest today is Steve Sharp. Hi, Steve. Hey, Brad. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm well today. So, Steve, with the people who may not know you, may not be familiar with your work, uh, maybe you could describe your role for them. Uh, it's a dual role. Um, mm-hmm. One part, I'm working with the Lower Pacific District and uh, helping the church planning network. And I'm also uh, helping the Lower Pacific District um, become clearer on how to make disciples. I'm also working with uh, Neil Bassenswaite and uh, helping him at the EFCC in revitalized training with specifically uh, how to make disciples. That's great. And the stuff that we're going to dive into here is all about accountability. And this is a challenging topic for the church. Um, and you've, just in our, our sort of preamble to this recording, uh, you've illuminated some of those. And I, I'm keen to dig into that. Um, maybe just give us a cursory glimpse. What does accountability mean to you? Accountability, if you to go on the Google, it would say uh, to be responsible um, to answer to someone within someone's power or control. Uh, there's two aspects of the definition. The ability to control plus being able to answer for something. To be accountable means to be subject to giving an account or having the obligation to report, explain, or justify something. The standard definition is pretty easy, but the how is complicated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I think I speak for many people when I say we've had terrible experiences of accountability where it's come from somebody who uh, is not operating from a place of emotional or spiritual health necessarily, or um, there is an overbearing sense of leadership or, or something that gets factored into accountability that steers it off course and becomes damaging to a relationship and maybe even the leadership experience. How, how do we um, reconcile some of the best intentions of accountability with some of the experiences that we've had? Well, my experience is that uh, churches either do accountability poorly or they don't do it at all. Hmm. Um, so when I found that out, as I was trying to make disciples, I found out that I was having a real hard time holding people accountable in the disciple-making process. Hmm. And so what I did as I, I dived into the research and I found out over many years that um, disciple-making primarily has two aspects to it. One is the front and back door, how to set clear expectations with intent, and then two, discovery, how were those expectations met. Okay. So that really focuses on expectations. And uh, I think one of the the sort of failures of accountability is when you're when you're holding somebody to account on, on an expectation that doesn't match, um, and so there isn't kind of a handle to to leverage, and it it causes a weird kind of conflict. How do we set expectations in kind of a mutual way? Well, if my son goes out, and I say, "Don't be late." His definition of late may not be my definition of late. Right. So I want to make sure that before he leaves that. We're going to set a time that's clear, and we might have to come in a mutual understanding of what that time is, but he can't leave until that's a clear expectation. Right. And 
so right off the hop, you're you're dealing with a a clearly defined metric um, in that way that you can both kind of um, objectively recognize. Some things aren't nearly that objective, but I think that's a, a meaningful goal is to come to that sort of uh, shared understanding of what <laughs> that expectation is and and without that like accountability is just impossible absolutely and and it has to be a defined goal and that's a difficult task when you're working with disciple making because uh, a goal is something that you take from something to something by a certain time frame hmm. so if I want to lose 10 pounds by Christmas that's a defined goal then I have to add the strategy or tactics which may be diet and exercise to accomplish that goal but then I have to create a scorecard, which is counting calories that I are take in and calories that I burn through exercise. So I know the leading indicators are actually going to move the metric on the goal of losing weight. In disciple making, we also have to make that clear. What is your goal of personal transformation? What are the leading indicators to make that happen? And what's your scorecard of transformation when that happens? Hmm. So how how have you seen some of uh, some of that worked out? You've you've had experiences. You've connected with church planters. Um, you know you you have kind of a bird's eye view of of disciple making and in the EFCC. Um, can you can you describe how you've seen some of the positive ways that that's been presented or, or uh, manifested? Absolutely. Uh, so if I I take a church planter and I say uh, I want you to go and start three groups, that might seem like an easy task and there's a, a goal in how many groups did you actually get started but within the goal of the task there's also a goal of personal transformation the reason why they're not leading three groups right now is because they don't have the personal capacity or ability to do those goals they might have the potential but not the ability hmm. so in the creation of accomplishing the goal there is actually a personal transformation of them learning new behaviors, new attitudes, new ideas. That's a transformation that God does because it's God's transformation with the task that he gives us to do. Right. As, as you've been kind of unpacking this, there's two uh, paths of, of uh, growth and development that we need to be accountable for. And one is how we do things corporately in a group, and the other is individually. So, uh, like you just said, right, starting a group, that is uh, something that it's a task on paper, but there's also personal transformation that's involved in that, and and accountability is built into both of those. So is that is that one way that revitalized training works, is to, to connect both of those goals in, in somebody's head and heart? Absolutely. Because when you set the clear expectation, now you know what you're going to hold them accountable to, like my son being late. Mm -hmm. But there's also the time we're going, what time did you come in? I have to meet the back door and say, hey, uh, did we meet that expectation? So I, I tend to go through the list on my transformation. What progress can we celebrate? What consequences or challenges are we facing now? Because with every change comes a new, a new situation. Or, uh, so what course corrections might be required? Hmm. So there's there's that kind of uh, uh, give and take that's built into that, and um, I I think one of the downsides of accountability is that it it's sort of delivered with imperviousness. 
this is the standard, um, and it comes from a leadership perspective and and uh, it, it, without, like we've already talked about setting expectations, but then how we do these conversations on the other side of that is, is critical um, because that's what determines what the relationship is going to be moving forward. And, and one of the perspectives that you've built into this is that it's future-oriented. A ton of stuff that we've experienced in accountability is all looking back. Yes. It's all... Uh, this didn't work, and, and whose fault is it? And and you know what can we learn from it? And and there's some value in that, but it on the other hand, that's all done, and it doesn't especially help us moving forward. And this is this is a, a surprising part of the way that you talk about accountability is that it's future thinking. It's not in the back and absolutely uh, what's behind. Um, the the way I describe it is we have to be accountable to grace, not law. Mm-hmm. When we're accountable to law, we count and then we cleanse. We count what you did wrong, and then we ask you to forgive, and then we move forward. The person leaves unchanged. Right. There's no transformation. So if I want to get someone to be different, I have to keep future-orientated. Mm-hmm. The past drama doesn't matter. Solution-focused. We don't analyze the problems. We move forward with critical thinking. So there's no negativity or bias. Um, so we stay out of judgment, in other words. I like to think of it as um, when you're accountable, you're actually going to the athletic judge, not the legal judge. Hmm. Okay, so that is a completely different uh, conceptualization of, of judgment. And, and what you've described here, the, the count and cleanse approach, is a way that somebody could feel defeated or minimized or reduced in some way, where when we're looking at future... There's an empowerment, there's a development, there's, a, there's a, an encouragement that's built into that. Absolutely, because if, if we go in the, in the shame and blame approach, we're actually trying to find or assign fault. Right. That keeps people st- stuck where they are. There's no hope for a transformation. If we want to move forward, we have to lean in with empathy, have authenticity, and we let people in with vulnerability. Hmm. That's how we, we're transparent. When we do that, we're working together to move someone forward, and we're deciding, we're trying to understand what is God doing and how can he create this transformation in this person. So describe the importance of vulnerability in the process of accountability. That's the courage of accountability, and the courage of accountability is the person holding the person accountable. Um, We have to be able to take our masks off and to say, hey, uh, I'm with you. We have to first lean in with empathy. I, I call it E before V because if if I'm empathetic, that allows people to um, say, me too. Mm-hmm. I can say, I'm with you. I've been there. I've done that. I, I'm just like you. But if I go vulnerable first, it can seem like I'm having a competition with, well, you had a bad experience. Let me tell you about my bad experience. <laughs> yep. I've been a part of those kind of conversations. Um, yeah, vulnerability that, uh, builds a kind of mutuality. And I, I think that's one of the other downsides that I've seen of accountability, where somebody is put on the hook and, and being grilled for something and being forced to be vulnerable. In other words, they're being humiliated, not humble. Yes. And um, and it, it causes a, a stark rift and somebody is liable to shut down in that rather than um, lean into vulnerability and express what really happened and, and what's really going on. Um, and so there, there has to be 
in, in, in my mind and, and experiences that I reflect on where I think it's gone the best, there has to be a mutuality to vulnerability and that there's a, a give and take there where we're both being honest and uh, we're both being forthright. And um, without that, I think accountability falls apart too. At, at least if we're, if we're hoping that vulnerability or, or accountability has a, a positive relationship building aspect to it. Um, and sometimes I think people uh, say that as like an aspiration, like accountability is a way that we build relationships. And I'm like, I don't think you understand really the dynamics at play there. Um, Absolutely. Because I'm not feeling it. <laughs> Absolutely. The, the, the people want to know, they don't want to know what you know. They want to know that you care. Mm-hmm. And so when, when I know that my coach cares for me, then I'm much more easy to be willing to be held accountable. Uh, I, I want to be held accountable. I, I want to get better. I want someone to help me. But it has to be in a way that is for my personal development, not for their their gain. Right. Um, and some of the most powerful experiences that I've had recently, there has been a mutuality in the accountability process. I think you're pushing too hard. I think you overstated. I think you overreached there. And where there's receptivity to that even pushback in the in the accountability process it it puts people in a posture of being human again rather than I'm just a, a mouthpiece for a leadership role or some kind of vision statement that we've concocted years ago and I'm I'm just you know the 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 mouthpiece I'm just the tool to try and implement that um it, it puts us back into this place where we can be human where it's like no you're talking to somebody with emotions and somebody with hopes and fears and you know like we we're real people and we get to meet real people in that process and I, I think that's one of the things that the way that you talk about accountability kind of reintroduces that to me it's a very refreshing approach the the, the concept that I, I keep in my mind is that I'm seeking transformation, not information. Mm-hmm. Because the information doesn't save people. Information doesn't convince people. Information doesn't do anything. People already know the information. They just don't know what to do with it. So what I try to get them to do is to get insights into maybe a barrier, a solution, something that's going on. And I can only do that by asking discovery questions. Right. Right. And the questioning part of this is is very critical um, because the way that we ask questions and, and the way that we solicit answers and what those answers do for us is all um, different too in the sense that uh, you've talked about um, the way that you ask discovery questions. Uh, it, it, it sets up attention because people don't necessarily answer those questions the same way in a group. And now what? like my answer is different, therefore I'm wrong, or that other person is wrong. And, yep. and now we have this attention because we expected that we're all going to be the same and being the same makes us right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which That's our safety place. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, uh, I, I love the way that you've articulated how we have these kind of conversations in a group dynamic where there is this, this your revitalized training, uh, even in, in something that we would think is, is core and... Um, should have lockstep unity like what's the uh, what's your definition of a great commission disciple that the way that that question is framed sounds like you're aiming for one answer Mm -hmm. and so when one when differences are found in the answers between people that's got to set up an interesting and and it, it should force you towards hey let's work on this together let's mutually 
commit to why are we doing this and what are we doing and then we're doing this together so it's got to be a collaborative effort where every voice must be heard mm-hmm. and and heard engaged with respected like there's there's all of this stuff that's built in and to me this is life-giving in the way that you were talking about accountability um it's it's a it's a mind shift it's a whole uh upheaval and it shouldn't be because it's in the, it's in love one another, respect one another, honor one another, prefer one another. Like it's all through scripture. So we understand that it's there. We're just not effective at doing it. Right. Um, where you have seen blame, blame is on the other side of what you were talking about. That's the, the wrong way to do accountability. Yes. You've seen some very clear uh, responses to that. Can Absolutely. You, can you outline those? Well, I, I find if, if I do um, feedback or accountability incorrectly, I bring people into a shame and blame place, kind of like Genesis 3 where God says, where are you, Adam and Eve? And they say, we're, we're ashamed, so we hid. And so I find that when people are in the shame and blame mode, they tend to go into my four Fs, which are fight, flight, feed, or freeze. And I talk to them, they'll, they'll do my three Ds, deny, defend, or deflect. Hmm. So when people are in that that those postures, I recognize, oh, they're feeling shame or blame, and I I dive into those and say, hey, why why are you in that place of shame and blame? Because I'm not placing it on you. God doesn't place that in you. Romans eight one, there is no condemnation in Christ. So how do we take you out of shame and blame and bring you into that place of um, grace? Right. Um, I just wanted to cycle back to the four F's, fight and, and flight, people are probably familiar with. You've added fe- feed and freeze. Can you just kind of explain that? Because I think it'll help people get an insight into some of the responses that they're getting in, in these courageous conversations. Right. Fight and flight are, are typical responses that we talk about, but there's also ones that I've noticed that people just freeze. They do actually do nothing. Mm-hmm. If I meet a bear on the road, I, I might just freeze. Um, another one is um, feed. Um I notice some people, especially younger people, will feed feed an addiction, um, whatever that is. It could be computer games. It could be binge-watching Netflix. It could be anything. So I found that's a way that I'm in a shame-and-blame place when right. I want to find out whose fault it was and assign it or give it to someone, even if I have to blame myself. Right. It's just kind of ways of shutting down. So these are indicators that a conversation, a process is not going well. Correct. When these are... Uh, markers. Um, so talk about the critic perspective. Well, if I deny the, the critic or, de- or deny the critic, I end up in a shame and blame place, or that's the effect it has on me. So mm-hmm. I have to actually re- reserve seats for the critics, which is really the tape plays that plays in your head about um, who or who do you think you are? What do you think you're doing? Um, how is this better? How is this original? How is this different? And whenever we try to do something new, those critical messages always get played in our head. And so before we even attempt, we have to say, hey, those messages are going to be there. The the same tape's going to be playing, uh, and it's going to have that same impact on me. So how am I going to overcome it and put that critic in the seat and say, I see you? Right. Right. Um, There is something important that the critic brings, but it has to be... Uh, addressed, addressed, and um, 
not given primary priority, right? Like it, it could drive the the critic voice could could drive and and cause all kinds of uh, inhibitions and problems and and whatever. It'll cause us to self sabotage or be destructive or dysfunctional. Right, and and so recognizing that it's there, hearing it, and and yet giving it its proper place, saying. That, Put it in its place and perspective. Yeah, yes, exactly. All right. So the process that we've engaged in for training and, and for um, particularly started with church planter training, but it's, it's expanding into, into other areas. Uh, we call it the ABCs. And, yes. Um, can, you, can you unpack that? The EFCC um, is, and its culture is foundational on assessment, basic training, and coaching. So assessment is moving people into this insight awareness so they know what they should be doing. The training is the process of improving their personal ability, capacity, or agility through assigning tasks for transformation, giving them tools for skills, and training for attitude development. And then we come in with this coaching of accountability where we had feedback conversations that are directed at transformation from the clear expectations. Okay. That, that, and that is foundational into all disciple-making, whether it's an established church or a church plant. Right, right. The, there is a, a crossover there. So assessment is um, looking at how somebody is wired and, and who they are personally, right? There's a... Exploration of that. Well, it it is. um, If a disciple is someone who hears what Jesus asks them to do and follows in a simple obedience, then we assess how are they hearing the call? How do they hear their call to salvation? How do they hear their call to ministry? Um, How are they hearing a call to the ministry they're in right now? What are they hearing God ask them to do about what they're in right now? Okay. And then. basic training like you said that, that fleshes out those skills and and that's coordinated with with what you've perceived from the assessment and then that moves on so that this the training that we're talking about with revitalize uh is not just kind of a one and done thing um there's a a residual connection and and this is the coaching aspect that comes in where there's a relationship that's established and people are able to continually engage in this process with, you know, as we're describing accountability um, but it's it's a, a, a longer process that helps people continually recalibrate making sure that they're in in line with their original goals and and their own personal priorities and how that manifests through uh, absolutely their training yeah. we, we, we set up the tasks that they're supposed to do with clear expectations then we also set up their personal development with clear expectations and so apart from the sermon on Sunday, what is the task that they're doing and what is the transformational goal that that task will create in them? What is the transformation? How do we celebrate the God story of their personal transformation? Hmm. Can you describe the personal development plan? Is that something that comes after that or it's built into that? Uh, It's built in. Okay. We get people to make it clear by stating the focus, by clarifying their goal both what they're asked to do of their task and what they hope to be transformed by God through that process. Okay. Then we have the steps of action, which are the sad strategy or tactics that help them implement those. And then we have um, success. We actually ha- ha- 
have people create a scorecard and saying, if I was successful, what would that look like? They have to know whether they're winning or losing, and then they have to make that scorecard public so other people know what they're actually working on and whether they're being successful or not. That is a critical component that I think is missing in so many accountability conversations. The the measure of success is something I'm going to impose on you as a leader, and you better live up to it. And this is saying people are responsible to come up with their own definitions of success, and then they measure themselves based on that. And not only are they measuring themselves, but then their leaders, their coaches, the people around them, their peers, are measuring them by the standard that's been established there. Absolutely, because that goes right back to the heart of disciple-making. If they can't hear from God what they're supposed to be working on, who is anyone else to tell them what they're supposed to be working on? (laughs) Suddenly they're a disciple of me, not a disciple of Jesus. Right. So they need to hear the voice of Jesus saying, my sheep hear my voice. What is the shepherd of the sheep saying to you? And we'll, we'll come alongside you and help you in that process, but you have to be accountable to the Holy Spirit first and foremost, and then you can be held in mutual accountability with the whole community. That's excellent. So that's been the tip of a very large iceberg of the revitalized training experience and what even how accountability is dressed, addressed in that. Um, what would you like somebody who's hearing this to do with this information? What's the next step that, that you would like somebody to take on with this? Well, we offer a revitalized training through the EFCC, through Neil Bassensweight. And what we want to do is come in and show people, hey, there, there's a process. And this is only a small part of all that we offer. So how do we come into your contacts and show them, hey, what is God asking you to do? And how do we come alongside you and help you do that? That's just helping people make disciples. Right. So th- a church could do that? Any church can do that. Any district can do that. Uh, if you wanted to do a group session where you get a number of churches together, we, wherever you are, we'll come to you and we'll uh, come into your context and we'll make it suit your context. Right. And that is the unique part of this training, as I've been talking to Neil and, and sort of uh, and this conversation is, is a further illumination of that. This isn't a program that's been established that uh, is all kind of fill in the blanks and now you've got it. It's very engaging and interactive, and and it even fosters the stuff that you're talking about, where we're listening to the spirit. We're being encouraged to listen to the spirit in the in the midst of this thing that we're saying is training. It's not a package that you're handing somebody of completed information, and and you know if you work through this textbook, you've got all the answers. It's we need to work together on coming up even with what the questions are, yes. and then how we address the answers, and, and then what that means in an ongoing process. And I think that for where our culture is moving and for where the church is moving, that is such an important uh, way of understanding training and way of understanding even how to do ministry moving forward. It has to be interactive, and it has to be mutually um, beneficial. And if there's not a mutual accountability, there will be no accountability. Right. Right. Well, I, I super appreciate your time here, Steve. This has been illuminating for me, and I hope it's uh, encouraging to people. And, and we will have contact information for how people can engage in revitalized training. And uh, we really hope that our churches and pastors and leaders and districts will, will take you up on the invitation and, and uh, will uh, we'll reach out and, and take advantage of this training 
for their own uses and their own flourishing and ministry. Well, thanks, Brad. And uh, even if they just want to find out more through a coffee, then I'm always available for that too. Awesome. Thanks again. And thanks everybody for listening. We'll catch you next time on the Pulse Podcast. Thank you.